Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're looking at the book of Jonah, and we're today looking at verses 4 through 6. I'm going to make a few additional comments on verse 3 before we continue on. And so I'll read verses 3 through 6 as we start. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down, and fallen sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. We saw last time the command of the Lord to Jonah to rise and go to Nineveh. Jonah's response in rising up and fleeing away from the presence of the Lord. He went down to the port city of Joppa. Joppa is close to the uh, modern-day city of uh, Tel Aviv. Found a ship there, which probably would have been managed by uh, Phoenician sailors. Phoenicia was a region right along the Mediterranean Sea, and uh, the Phoenicians were not necessarily one ethnic group. They were kind of like a melting pot of all these different groups of people with many different religions, and they all just kind of coexisted tolerantly of one another. He paid the fare of the ship and went down in it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. We've already talked about how Tarshish is perhaps the furthest western port on the Mediterranean Sea in the ancient world. I want you to notice that God tells Jonah to rise up and go. But Jonah, in the text, in verse 3, rises up to flee, and he goes down. So there's this juxtaposed uh, terminology at work here. God tells him to go up, but Jonah goes down. He goes down to Joppa, gets on a ship, and goes down into the hold of the ship. There's a descent of the prophet as he disobeys the Lord. He descends into disobedience here. The, the key phrase in verse 3 is from or away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah's intent was to flee as far away from the God who had called him as possible. What he didn't fully understand was the nature of Yahweh's presence. He will learn in this text that there is no place on this planet that he could physically go to escape from the presence of the Lord. Why does Jonah flee? Why does he run away? 
in verse 3. Well, we are not given the explicit reason in this verse. The author of the text is going to leave us hanging all the way until we get to chapter 4. And then we, we get a little bit better picture of why Jonah fled when we get to chapter 4 in the first few verses there. I think one of the factors that we need to remember is what we read from 2 Kings 14.25, that Jonah prophesied very nationalistically about the regaining of the land of Israel from Hamath in the north to the Sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea in the south, Jeroboam II took all this territory during his reign, and although politically he's a good king, spiritually he's a very wicked king. So Jonah prophesies very nationalistically, Yay, Israel! Good for the northern kingdom here. But then when God tells Jonah, Now I want you to go to this foreign nation who has previously oppressed your people, Jonah does not have a lot of interest in doing that. So part of this may be self-preservation of his position with the king or nationalism on behalf of Israel. I think we'll see these things develop as we go through the book. The danger, of course, of trying to run away from God is that he might, and oftentimes he does, pursue after us. And that's what exactly what Jonah would experience here in the next several verses. Verse 4, beautiful Hebrew imagery here. The Lord hurls a great wind on the sea. It's as if the Lord, uh, something like the Greek gods of old, uh, conjures up the wind and the storm on the sea and tosses it after Jonah. God, of course, is the creator of all things and is sovereign over nature. That's one of the major themes of the book of Jonah. And so the Lord, in pursuit of the prophet, tosses this storm after him. In ancient Canaanite mythology, Baal or Baal was the god of the storm, the god of lightning, and roughly became equivalent to the Greek god of uh, perhaps Zeus later on. Uh, perhaps God's control of nature here was meant to poke and pry at this Canaanite mythology. It is not Baal here who is in charge of the wind and the waves. It is the Lord God of Israel tossing this wind after Jonah, creating this storm on the sea so that the ship is about to be broken up. The Lord is sovereign in this text over the natural world that he has created. And it makes us think of the words of some sailors uh, later in the future recorded in the books of the New Testament. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Spoken, of course, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The reaction of the sailors to this comes in verse 5 when the sailors see this wind and this storm, they become afraid. Now, this tells us this was not just a normal storm on the sea. 
These were experienced sailors, Phoenicians, who had lived on the sea for quite some time. They would not be shaken by any old storm. This was something perhaps that they had never seen before. And every man cries out to his own God. This shows the polytheism and even the inclusivism of the Phoenicians. They, they each call out to their deity. Uh, they would have been polytheistic, worshiping many different gods. And because the Phoenicians were not one, uh, did not generally come from one location, but were a conglomeration of many different nationalities, they would have had many different gods represented there. Each one is crying out to their own god, asking for protection. They throw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them so that they can stay afloat. But interestingly, Jonah has gone below into the hold of the ship, laying down and fallen sound asleep. Now, I don't want to read too much into this phrase here, but I think this does betray on the part of Jonah some thinking that he had accomplished what he set out to do, that he had been successful in escaping the presence of the Lord to some degree. Well, he has another thing coming. In verse 6, we see the captain of the sailors coming to Jonah, waking him up, and saying, perhaps in modern day language, what is up with you, you sleeper? Why in the world are you sleeping? Don't you see the storm around us? Get up and call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us and hear your cries so that we will not perish. Again, this shows the polytheism of the Phoenicians just seeking any and every way uh, for their safety to be accomplished. This is reminiscent, the, the mentality, the worldview of the Phoenician sailors is reminiscent of the people of Athens as Paul encounters them in Acts chapter 17. And so I'm going to turn to Acts 17 for a moment and read a few verses there that remind us that there is only one true God, no matter what human beings may think. This is Acts chapter 17, and starting in verse 22. Now, Paul is in Athens. He's standing before the council of the Areopagus, and he says to them, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The Athenians were so polytheistic and multi-religious, they even had an altar to a hypothetical or unknown God so that they potentially wouldn't anger something or someone that they didn't necessarily even know about. This reminds us of the Phoenician sailors and particularly the captain who says to Jonah, call out to your God. He's attempting to find any way that if there's something or someone that has been offended, that they could get back to uh, a right relationship with that 
deity somehow. In Acts 17, 24, Paul goes on to say, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he's Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he, gave, he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own prophets and poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like silver or gold or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof by all men, by raising him from the dead. Though these sailors and the Athenians here in Acts 17 do not recognize the God of Jonah, he is God nonetheless. You know, you may have never acknowledged the God of the Bible as true and real, yet your determination of him and, and how you see him does nothing to change the fact that he really is truly God over all. The Phoenician sailors believed in just about everything but the one true God, and yet they almost perished at the judgment of that one true God on the ship with Jonah. The first step on the path to salvation is to recognize that there is a God in heaven, and his standard is perfection, righteousness, and obedience to him from humanity. And no one can meet this standard. And so all have offended the God of the universe. Jonah pictures all of us here in this chapter in that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The Phoenician sailors, the Athenians, were trying every way they could to save themselves. But there was one that they did not know about the God of Jonah, the God of the Bible, and ultimately salvation that comes through him, through his son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.